He is a, a very incredibly intelligent human being. He has worked with the LTER. Colorado State University. Uh, he as well has worked with NASA. He is currently working the University of Texas Austin COVID modeling team. He's kind enough today to give us our semi every few week update on COVID and how things are going. Dr. Joe, how are you today? I'm doing great. Man, are you on a roll today? <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's like a beef and cheddar, isn't it? Yeah. On, a, <laughs> on an onion roll. On an onion roll. Fact. There it is. <laughs> Doused in horsey sauce. Uh <laughs> Okay, so let's actually get to the story, first of all, that broke this weekend. The U.S. Department of Energy now believes that the COVID-19 pandemic most likely originated from a laboratory leak, according to the updated classified intelligence report. The department's conclusion is part of an update to a 2021 report by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, Avril Haines. Now, I, I mean, I'll put aside the fact the Energy Department's chiming in on this. The first thing that I, I, I remember a lot of scientists saying is that this was a natural virus, the original COVID, it, that people are saying, no, this clearly was not man-made. Is that still the case? Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of those things. That it just keeps coming around. You look at the three-year history of this whole ordeal. And, um, Tom Cotton was the first one to report this lab leak thing. Um, but there's four agencies now that they say it's a natural source, more than likely. But they always quantify these things with low confidence. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so the D DOE is doing the same thing. They they put the uh, low confidence label on it, and um, you know, uh, for us people that really follow this closely and everything, this is kind of getting to be the point of uh, like a distraction almost, mm -hmm. you know, instead of focusing on what's really going on right now, this thing just keeps cycling back and back like ivermectin and <laughs> things like that. But, you know, it is important that we do know that the source of it, um, if you remember originally, it was, um, gosh, what was it, back in 2021, I think, they they found uh, a similar virus in in bats in Thailand. So, mm -hmm. I mean, this thing is occurring naturally. So, um, you know, the fact that they suggest maybe the Chinese even modified it. If you look at the genetic pairing and the research done on that, it's there's no evidence of that at all. Mm -hmm. it, it it looks like a natural evolution of the the SARS virus. So. That's kind of where we sit right now. We got the old low confidence on all sides, and uh, you know, part, who yeah. knows? And part of the problem is it's it's China. They're not exactly open to to a lot of this stuff. But I mean, I, that's why I went with the science, the evaluation of the the strain itself. I mean, John Stewart made the point that if there was a massive chocolate outbreak in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Obviously, you would look to the Hershey company as probably the source of the problem. It's not it's not really a big a big thing. There isn't, I mean, my, my gut feeling would be, is this virus appeared, whatever facility this is at, as opposed to being some sort of weaponized, you know, virus, that this was actually something that occurred in nature. They brought it into this, this facility to test it and examine it and figure things out. And it got out from there. 
I don't think that that's an incredibly unrealistic thing to do because, once again, it does seem to appear that this all originated from somewhere around Wuhan in that area. That's where those first cases started coming up in December of 20, uh, 20, uh, 2019, I believe. That's, that's correct. And, um, you know, three of the scientists came down with, uh, with COVID uh, cases before even the first, first reported cases were released. So, you know, that is kind of a, you know, I can't rule that out. And, you know, and then the other one is the, the market in Wuhan and, and uh, how it came from that wet, wet source. And uh, there was raccoons and all kinds of animals they sell there. So, you know, um, I'm not exactly sure. I, I'll, I'll just say that. But um, it, it is something you really do want to nail on, nail down. And, um, you know, with your theory, it, 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 it works well because it is a naturally occurring thing. There is no genetic engineering or anything like that. So um, we can put that one to sleep pretty much. Well, you and know, even Fauci commented on that. I know that you are not an expert in the bird flu, but we've had stories now of the bird flu. I mean, this is what's happening in nature. It's not some lab. It's not some man-made thing. It's just it sometimes jumps species, and we're now starting to see bird flu show up in some various forms. I believe in some of the mammal populations, bird flu is showing up there, which is a huge concern. It should be absolutely terrifying to think about. But the reality is, is that this is something that happens in nature Often and so it's it's not necessarily this, this virus could have existed and goes there. You've looked at the data, you've looked at the research, and you know you're far smarter than I'll ever be on this stuff. Have you seen anything in the data that t- dictates to you that this was more man-made than natural? Uh, one of the most recent releases I just saw out of the WHO was um, they they kind of can trace this. This particular strain of the uh, H1 back to um, almost 10 years ago. Um, mm. This this thing has been floating around sporadically and and popping up in very localized cases, but um, they've essentially confirmed that it wasn't uh, a mammal to mammal transfer that was uh, or human to human transfer, which is the most scary scenario possible, of course, mm-hmm. with a 50% mortality rate. Um, just think about that for a minute, and, and I, I don't even want to think about that. No. But, um, you know, that's that's kind of where it's at right now. They've, they've ruled it out for now that that uh, this was a human-to-human transfer, and it came from the local poultry or other animals there. Um, so, but, you know, we had a plan for this because it, it, it's not a question of if it will happen. It's a question of when it will happen. So um, we need to get on top of it right now. And, and the University of Minnesota has re- released a very good roadmap on, on developing future vaccines and responses to pandemics. So um, uh, I encourage readers to go to the SIDRAP 
uh, webpage and, and read that document. It, it's really thorough and very well written. Well, and and easily understandable. And I also recommend people going to Dr. Joe's web page and, and, and following his writing because it's quite good there. And I'll make sure I link to that a little bit later on to keep you up to date. So l- l- let's let's look at where the COVID numbers are at now. What are you seeing? I know we had that new strain that was giving you a little more, more of a concern. Is that still blossoming? Is that something that we still need to be far more concerned about? Um, yeah, it's, it, we're still in kind of a holding pattern on that right now. You know, it's, I, I keep reading more and more modeling studies that are kind of showing what I I have seen with my model. And, you know, I could put in a, a virus as contagious as the measles and um, just hammer the model. And it still won't take off in a lot of cases because we are in this, you know, we're kind of almost equilibrium phase where uh, there's there's enough natural immunity out there to suppress any symptoms if you do get infected. And um, the viruses are having a pretty tough time taking hold right now. And... Um, you know, you, see, you watch the XB15 uh, track across the United States, and now I believe there's 21 states that have shown their hospitalizations rates going up, and those are all Western states that are now experiencing that. Um, and, you know, my model says look out at the end of March for this state and early April, things could really get cooking then. And, uh, we won't see it in the numbers reported for obvious reasons. There's no testing basically going on, and and uh, even the deaths are underreported now. So, um, you know, it's not going to show up there, but this stuff is it's out there, and it, it, we just keep letting it reinfect people and make more mutations. And it's kind of an endless cycle right now that we need to get a handle on this. Um, pretty soon but once again it, it's 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 there i mean when you're talking about end of march early april for minnesota what what kind of numbers are you looking at just a number of cases and, and possible hospitalizations is there are any of the numbers you coming through that are showing it really spiking up yeah um remember uh, last january my model was showing you know somewhere between 50 and 60 million people active cases at once throughout the country. Um, this is uh, this kind of peak is spread out over time because, you know, things are tracking across the country and we have this, this uh, immunity that's very characteristic on local levels. So you, you're not going to see all of a sudden the entire nation just blow up at once. You're going to see these pockets, you know, popping up all over the place. And... Um, the numbers themselves uh, nationally at a peak here in April will be about roughly one-third to a half of what we saw last January in terms of uh, the number of cases. Uh, the other thing we got to watch out for is, is the deaths seem to be just kind of hanging in there right now and, uh, and not waning as much as we would expect. Uh, right now we're still at around 2,000 deaths weekly, which is kind of a somewhat significant drop from the past weeks. But then again, we got new reporting is going to come in, and it, it, a lot of it's underreported. And um, 
you know, we could, we'll be right back up over that 3,000 a week number fairly quickly. And I think it could possibly go up uh, even higher than that. So in uh, in the next surge that I, I the model predicts is coming. So. Dr. Joe Eastman joining us right now, our COVID modeling expert. Uh, you, you mentioned XB15. Is there any other variants that are coming down the line that you're really concerned about? Yeah, there there was one that was spun off the XBB15. Uh, it's XB15.9. And uh, this is kind of another locally grown one in the United States. And um, it's in North Carolina. And I'm, I'm keeping a pretty close eye on what's going on in North Carolina right now. Um, other than that, we're, we're seeing more of these these so-called X variants. Um, and um, people go, what in the heck is X? We've always been BA or BB or BQ or something like that. And what the X does is it denotes two separate variants uh recombining genetically instead of just a variant coming off one variant, you know, a sublineage of another variant. This is a hybrid of two. So when there's two or more uh, variants involved in the, uh, the creation of a new one, they put an X right in front of it. That's, that's where that comes from. <laughs> and uh, we get, we're going to see more of these X things pop pop up and and that's the scary part because it's not just mutations to the spike protein anymore we're seeing mutations to the body of the whole virus and and if it catches fire with a, a higher mortality rate or some we could be in uh you know deep duty the xb15.9 where is that one showing up at right now it's uh <clears throat> was in north carolina last week when i looked i I haven't had a time time to look at it today, um, but I I will be sure to look at it and uh, post it in my my newsletter so that folks can read about it. Um, but there was some uh, hint of the increases in hospitalizations in North Carolina the last I saw. So uh, keep your eye on the southeast of the United States. Um, it will be predominantly confined there. It's like uh, XB15. It first popped up, homegrown in New York, and um, we watched the Northeast just go through a horrific phase in January and and early February, and it's now subsided there. But you you watch it just march across the country now, and other people are going to be experiencing what what the Northeast U.S. experienced a couple months ago. So that's kind of where we're sitting. Well, you, you'd also said, and, and I think this is working away from COVID, there's now some concern about H5N1. What, 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 what variation of virus is that? And, uh, yeah, that's, um, like I said, the, the, the one that just popped up was, it's, it's been around a while. Um, the H5N number uh, viruses are not as prolific in mutation rates as like the flu. I mean, the flu is constant. That's why we can't develop a vaccine for it. It just keeps changing so rapidly. And, and we're kind of approaching the same point with, um, with COVID if, if we don't watch it. Um, but uh, the H5 
N1 is it, those that whole line is is not mutating as fast um, right now. I should say it could eventually happen so that mutation rates are such that it really becomes a concern for us. So um, that's kind of where we're sitting with H5N1 right now. Well, um, this is the point where we usually say the same thing, which is if you're not updated on your vaccines, you need to get updated. And when they start offering more, if you've already been vaccinated, get those new vaccines because, once again, this this is a constantly changing game. It really is, and, um, you know, this is, we're experiencing something right now that we haven't seen instead of the big spike surges we've seen in the past. I think we're going to get used to, you labeled this quite a while ago, you called it the rolling mound or um, something like that, which I thought was a really good analogy, and um, that's that's kind of the environment we're going to see now, and, and people just got to remember it is way underreported right now in mm-hmm. terms of death in cases, and um, that's shameful, yeah. absolutely shameful. Well, that's we, the case right now. We, it's it's one of those things where you, people didn't want to hear about it. So, and the news, you know, said they they okay, you don't want to hear about it. We're not going to talk about it. And but there's still people dying. Right. Every, there's still people dying every day of COVID in this country, in this state. And yeah, it's it's not exactly uh, an, an urgent thing. And once again, it's it's if we're not ta- ta- paying attention to this, all of a sudden we have cases like we had uh, before where all of a sudden the hospitals are full and the pediatric units are full and all this stuff. And so it's it's kind of one of those things where we shouldn't it should not have to be a crisis mode for us to treat it as a crisis. Yeah, exactly. And um, it's, it's, it's kind of like uh, one of the political parties is engaged in engaging in schadenfreude, <laughs> you know, they enjoy other people's misery or something. I don't know why they keep coming up with the, all these conspiracy theories and, and ivermectin and uh, don't get your shots and all this stuff. It's just insanity. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I appreciate the, the, the information. I appreciate the updates. Uh, I appreciate your your knowledge and your 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 incredible mind. I appreciate all that you're doing for us. Uh, two things I did want to make sure I mentioned before you go: uh, your love of the uh, of the the Grateful Dead, including you, you've been you've been excited here the last few days uh, about Bob Weir and uh, him playing some music. You've been enjoying that, correct? Oh my gosh, it was a Vulcan mind meld for me on Saturday night. Um, just some really incredible stuff. If you get a chance, go see him. He's going to be in the cities on Wednesday at the Palace, and it's uh, it's an absolute treat to see a seventy-three-year-old man just rocking out like he does. And uh, yeah, thank you for mentioning that. Well, it's it's but it's it, they've been around forever, and as you said, seventy-three years old. That's great. I mean. It, 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 we are living in an age, and I look at like Willie Nelson and stuff like that, and I'm like, you keep going, man. You keep going as long as you can because, my God, it's, your music is great and people love you. So, and, and we're is the same way. I mean, let him go as long as you can. Uh, yeah, I appreciate you updating us on this, and I know that if people follow your Twitter feed, you'll get some of the music stuff there. So follow him there as well. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yes, I will. (laughs) Dr. Joe Eastman, once again, Jelly Roll Blues over on Twitter. I will link to everything, including his blog, a little bit later on. Dr. Joe, as always, thank you very much. I appreciate the time. 
And I appreciate you. And uh, oh, by the way, you're mentioning Nancy Nelson. Too. Yes. Every time you call, her name pops up on my phone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we set that. Oh, we, I miss her. I miss her. Well, I, I was so nice to see her on Friday night. I love her as well. We, we know you'll answer if we do that. All right. There you go. Dr. <laughs> Joe Eastman. Thank you, Dr. Joe. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950.